5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Well, quite a way to open. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, We will have our Pirate Report for you. Uh, Nice of you to be with us uh, here today. Certainly a uh, a day that uh, I think can be uh, considered and will be considered a uh, real, uh, you know, down and dark day as far as uh, ECU athletics uh, goes. Uh, the elimination of four sports uh, from ECU's athletic department, men's and women's swimming and diving. Uh, they would have represented the uh, Pirates in the NCAAs. Men's swimming and diving would have had uh, that happen this year, not been eliminated uh, by the uh, COVID-19 situation. Uh, and uh, also men's and women's tennis going by the uh, wayside. Both facilities uh, were either inadequate or in dire need of uh, repair and updating. And uh, that would have cost, obviously, lots of money. This is a money move, a move that will save uh, $4.9 million. We've got a lot of sound from today. Uh, we're going to have Brett McMurphy from Stadium uh, on with us to talk about uh, how much more of this we may see throughout college athletics. I, I think you could make an argument that ECU right now is the biggest school, uh, save Cincinnati, to have uh, eliminated a, a non-revenue sport or a set of non-revenue sports. Uh, we'll also take your calls. I'm really anxious to see if anyone has any thoughts today at 561-GAME, 252-561-4263. Your calls are welcome. We'll leave the lines open. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of reaction to this. I'll just say this if you're going to call in. And, again, I welcome any perspective on this. There's a lot of backwards finger-pointing going on. But, you know, are these sports that you went to? Did you ever go to a swim meet? Did you ever go to a tennis match? Uh, again, I, I, I would be anxious to hear anyone's opinion on it. Uh, and I think the message of the day is let's, uh, you know, certainly empathize with the people impacted. Cause as I've said all along, this is not necessarily numbers on a spreadsheet. I mean, th- these are real life people. I mean, one of the coaches that, uh, lost his job today had been a guy that, uh, I think it just he and his wife had just built a house, just built a house. And, uh, you know, that's no small task to take on in life, building, building a home. Uh, so there's certainly some things that it's a tough business. I think anybody would, would, uh, make uh, note of that. It is a tough business and, uh, made tougher. The bottom line, ECU right now cannot financially support 20 teams and certainly cannot support them at the level uh, that I, I think Ron Mitchelson, John Gilbert, and really anybody would want to have them supported at as far as championship uh, level competition. The other thing I think is really interesting, and I'm very surprised um, somewhat, but I guess when you think about it, it's not that surprising. Other than men's and women's basketball and football, every sport was looked at. Every sport was combed over with that fine-tooth comb. 
And there's plenty of questions I, I still have for John. Media was there uh, in a social distancing mode. We were able to ask questions of John today. I attended the press conference. You'll hear some of those uh, answers to those questions coming up in just a bit. But there's still I, there's still other questions I have, and I just didn't feel like that was the appropriate time to ask that of John. We've asked we've asked John to come on. Uh, he was extremely emotional today. This was a tough day for John Gilbert. Uh, I said when John Gilbert was hired here, John is probably one of the nicest people that you could ever meet. I think he's a genuine person. And I think John, you know, when we hear this phrase, and I don't throw this around lightly, you know, somebody's a pirate. We need a John has that spirit about him. And I think a lot of that is John's upbringing. I think a lot of that is John was a D2 athlete. So he has that kind of chip on his shoulder. And, uh, John gets what makes, I think, a lot of things around here tick. Uh, and it's, he was, he's put in a really, really tough situation. And so I hope, uh, you know, John Gilbert will take some solace in the fact that he has uh, the support of everybody behind him, but also uh, has everyone's respect for, for being able to make a tough decision. There's a lot of people who proclaim to be leaders out there. There's a lot of people that, really aren't leaders, but they'll gen up the worst of people to, to get on board with their thoughts and to build their social media following and, and what have you. Uh, John Gilbert is not one of those people. He's the real deal. And uh, John showed genuine emotion today. I think this was a tough deal for him. And I commend to Ron Mitchelson. Uh, I thought he was uh, also uh, classy today. It has been excellent and uh, has continued to represent ECU in this interim position in a tough time uh, with the uh, utmost uh, dignity that I think uh, you can. I mean, it's been a tough few years here. Let's not sugarcoat anything. Uh, let's get to some of the sound from this uh, today. Uh, the Ron Mitchelson opening statement, if we do this in sequential orders, about two minutes, and I don't know if I want to take the time to play all that. So let's just start with John's uh, opening statement here. Uh, and he discusses the sorrow for the people affected by these programs being cut, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's swimming and diving. The decision to eliminate four sports programs today goes against everything that I believe in and was taught in intercollegiate athletics. This is not something that I take lightly. I was extremely disappointed to deliver this news today to our 68 student athletes that are affected. It was difficult because I had to do it behind a computer screen and I couldn't be in the room with them. I couldn't feel what they were feeling. I wanted to be with them today. To the alumni of swimming and diving and tennis who helped build these programs to what they are today Words are not enough, but I apologize to you. This is not news that I want to be delivering to you today. However, I understand our financial realities and that East Carolina is not able to support 20 athletic programs at this time. ECU now is 16 programs, nine women's, seven men's programs. They're in line right now with everyone else virtually in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, under NCAA transfer rules, students will be immediately eligible for competition when the student's original instruction 
uh, excuse me, institution discontinues the sport in which a student practiced or competed. They also stated today that they would honor the scholarships of any athletes that decided to stay on and continue their education at ECU. Uh, they also talked about additional measures enacted, including significant cuts to operations within athletics, including department and sport budget reductions, regional scheduling and travel uh, efficiencies for select sports, and the elimination of several positions which are currently vacant. I did ask John about that today. He talked about uh, that uh, as far as the five spots, five positions, and the type of jobs they are uh, that will not be filled, at least for right now, a hiring freeze, if you will. We've got that for you, cut four. Well, uh, we had four to five uh, vacant positions that we had budgeted for and were planning on filling. We had a, a ticket office position, a academic advisor position, a mental health position. Uh, they were positions of that nature that were budgeted that we were uh, pre-COVID-19 planning on filling. But <clears throat> again, once we realized that the NCAA tournament, uh, basketball tournament was not being played and the financial realities that would come with that and then other revenue streams, we knew that we were having to look at literally everything from a savings standpoint. So that prompted uh, your intrepid uh, reporter and lovable host to ask the question, um, just for clarification again. And you got to understand, a lot of questions that are asked in the game, if you're doing it right, uh, are to get background for statements. You're not necessarily looking for a quote, but in this audio format world that we are in, uh, there is a uh, quote that... Uh, uh, that we are seeking here, and that is what about, for example, the Rafael Chilius spot on Joe Dooley's staff? What about other head coaching and coaching vacancies? John, address that quickly for us. It, 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 we will fill a, a vacant coaching position for a sport that has a position open at this time. All right, so John was asked what led to the decision to decide to cut specifically the four programs that were cut today. So when we started this process, it, it really was in, uh, as the chancellor indicated, late, late March, early April, when we started re realizing the financial realities of what this pandemic has caused. And so we looked at a multitude of sports and, you know, we certainly looked at scholarship, operating costs, you know, all the things that are associated with the program. Uh, we also did a, you know, a look at where we were from a facility standpoint, and we knew in, in both of the programs that were uh, chosen that the, the state of the facility, the current state of the facility, and the money that would be needed to invest in the facility in the future played a large factor. As far as any future changes coming to ECU athletics what can we expect John Gilbert was asked that uh, we will maintain these the, the uh, 16 sports to play 1a football that that uh, we will stay at that uh, you know we're gonna we are going to have to look at additional uh, reductions in our department you know uh, 
everything is still on the table uh, without going past the 16 we, we will not drop below 16 but you know depending uh, I am confident that we're going to play football in the fall that we're going to have students on campus in the fall uh, but I also know like if we have to play at a reduced capacity that there will be additional fi financial hardships that we will have to address and uh address they they will uh we talked uh, to john about uh and this this was uh what i referenced earlier the financial analysis of every sport with the exception of men's and women's basketball and pirate football we started uh looking at almost every sport uh it, it we ran analysis on uh I would say almost every sport. We, we did not look at football, men's and women's basketball because of the ESPN TV contract, but we looked at a combination of multiple sports. And I shared that with our coaches today because I, I wanted them to know we, we looked at everything that we're doing and, and we'll continue to look and evaluate because I do anticipate further financial hardships for us that we've got to continue to be mindful and efficient of what we're doing. But I would tell you, we, we looked at a combination. We did not focus on one. Um, the converse, or the uh, comments about every scholarship being honored, uh, this is uh, John Gilbert uh, discussing that and reiterating that point that was made earlier, I believe, by Chancellor Mitchell, uh, by uh, Chancellor Mitchelson. So what we did from a scholarship standpoint is we, we, we're honoring every scholarship that we have with every student athlete. So any, any student athlete that is on current aid will continue that aid uh, for that four-year period so they can graduate. The NLI uh, student athletes or incoming student athletes, we have also uh, will honor that aid. Um, and, and we'll see how many student athletes choose to return or, or look to go to other sport, uh, other institutions to compete. So very good uh, job there by John Gilbert to take the questions, uh, to stand up there during a really tough time and make these uh, statements and announcements and to address the media. Uh, kudos to him. Kudos to uh, Dr. Mitchelson and also uh, the uh, chair of the board of trustees, Vern Davenport. Didn't speak today, but Vern was there as well, and it was, it was nice uh, – and classy on his part to be there as a show of of solidarity as far as that goes. Uh, so that was that was nice to see. Um, one of the areas that uh, I asked Ron Mitchelson about there, uh, and it, this was some news that came out today too, not necessarily related to to the topic at hand, but in a, in a sense the overall topic of COVID nineteen, and that is uh, NC State. I was told UNC. I've not seen that yet, but NC State today. Uh, announced that they are moving their semester up, start time to August 10. Uh, a lot of other universities have done this. For example, Notre Dame announced it earlier in the week. Others in the Northeast and Midwest have announced this, I believe. But starting August 10 with the idea that you eliminate a fall break, which traditionally happens in October, and then you're done by Thanksgiving for the uh, first semester. I guess there we'll kind of see where we are. Uh, but uh, if you if you have the goal of having students back on campus, this seems to be where uh, this would be headed. I asked uh, the chancellor about that 
uh, during the course of this press conference. Here's what he said. Yeah, so that's part of this uh, planning that I mentioned amongst the cabinet. So we have a calendar team working on that. The start date right now um, is is under consideration. We've gone to block scheduling for the students, so they'll have the 15-week semester is now divided into two parts, part A, part B, each one seven and a half weeks. A student uh, would normally take five courses in a semester, so they'll take two and three or three and two. Uh, but the start day is still uh, a bit up for grabs. So 8, 8, 10 is under consideration. August 10th is under consideration. August 17th is under consideration. And the current start date is August 24th. So that is certainly under consideration. We'll have that nailed down early next week. Okay. So uh, that is uh, some of the comments there uh, from uh, from uh, Ron Mitchelson. Uh as we mentioned, John Gilbert in the initial statement he made was quite emotional, kind of had to collect himself a couple of times. Uh, and uh, he was asked about that, this being kind of tough on him emotionally. A uh, lengthy answer here, but uh, insightful and I think a, a real glimpse into how difficult this decision by John Gilbert really was. It, it is. I, I think, you know, from the time that this COVID um pandemic took place i've been in the office almost every day and i've had you know our staff in in a variety of times it, it's been very emotional for me personally you know i'm a former student athlete i'm a former coach i believe in the student athlete experience uh you know i had to reiterate to our coaches and our student athletes today that they did nothing wrong like they have been exemplary and how they represent this institution. And my heart breaks for them for what's happening today. We, we just can't support 20 sports programs. So it's been very emotional for me. Uh, it's been very emotional for our coaches, our staff. Uh, I talked to our other head coaches today. I had a head coaches meeting and I wanted to make sure that they understood the impact of this because, you know, the swimming and diving and tennis teams, they have boyfriends or girlfriends on the other teams, roommates, classmates. Uh, it, it is going to affect every program here. And I wanted to make sure everybody is mindful of that. Uh, these 60, 68 student athletes and these coaches really should be celebrated uh, for what they've done and how they've done it. And, and it has been a big emotional toll on everyone. Can you find that? Okay. All right. Um, we've got, uh, I asked John about the furloughs and all that. Uh, that is kind of near the end, Ben. So if we, we might uh, try to acquire that during the break here. Um, there was an, an interesting question asked about the possibility of the state of, of college sports moving forward. I want to hold on that cut lengthy as it may be, uh, because that's kind of what the topic of we've got with, uh, Brett McMurphy. Also, did you get the, uh, the thing that ESPN 580 down in Orlando sent us with Danny white? I sent it to your, well, I tell you what, we'll re, uh, you did get that. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's, uh, grab a break. We'll come back. We'll try to get that audio uh, cut up and ready to go. 
And uh, we'll have more. Brett McMurphy uh, just after the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. Patrick Johnson show on uh, this uh, historic uh, and unfortunately so historic Thursday. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson show on 94.3 The Game. Ben Barm here for your 94th of the game sports update. ECU has announced that it's reducing the number of intercollegiate programs by four, effectively immediately. Effective programs are men's and women's swimming and diving and men's and women's tennis. Additional measures enacted by ECU include significant cuts to operations within athletics, including department and sport budget reductions, regional scheduling and travel efficiencies for select sports, and elimination of several positions which are currently vacant. John Gilbert was quick to add that all scholarship, all athletes affected by these cuts, scholarships will be honored. What we did from a scholarship standpoint is we, we, we're honoring every scholarship that we have with every student athlete. So any, any student athlete that is on current aid will continue that aid uh, for that four-year period so they can graduate. Former Auburn head coach and ECU legend Pat Dye tested positive for coronavirus after being hospitalized with long-standing kidney issues. He previously tested positive for COVID-19, but is asymptomatic, his family tells. Due to COVID-19, NC State will begin its 2021-2020-2021 academic year earlier than originally scheduled, as students will not return after Thanksgiving break, the Chancellor announced. According to Stadium's Brett McMurphy, one-time transfer waivers are dead until at least 2021 through 2022 academic year, sources told Stadium, as NCAA Division I Counselor approved a resolution to develop legislation regarding transfer eligibility for January 2021 that would not be effective until the 2021-2022 academic year. Sean D. Brown, a former Wake Forest guard, is transferring to Michigan. He announced via social media Brown was Wake Forest's third leading scorer last season at 12.1 points per game and his second best rebounder at 6.5 boards per game. But he was among several players to leave the Wake Forest program, which fired Danny Manning as his coach. Danny Hamlin won NASCAR's first win-day race since 1984 when rain stopped the event with 20 laps remaining at Darlington Raceway. He received unintended help from Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Kyle Busch, the reigning cup champion and caused Chase Elliott to crash eight laps earlier to bring out the caution. Part of Denny, Ham- Denny Hamlin's winning pit crew was ECU alum Ed Watkins, who will join the P-Man next week right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. The race marked the first time in NASCAR history that the Cup Series had two points paying races at the same track in one week. And currently going on the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Darlington Raceway. Currently in the lead is Kyle Busch, followed by Jake Alligator, Alligator, and Ross Chastain on lap 48 out of 147. For your 94th through the game sports update, I'm Ben Byram. Now back to Patrick Johnson. Uh, we welcome you back, Patrick Johnson uh, Show. Um, one of the other things that I uh, asked John Gilbert about today, and I asked him about this uh, during the teleconference on Monday, was uh, the possibility of furloughing uh, athletic employees uh, at ECU. And uh, John had announced he had taken a 20% pay cut during this time. Uh, so I followed up today with a question about uh, possible pay cuts to other administrative members of the athletic department. Uh, had that been discussed with any coaches? Uh, furloughs the whole nine yards. This is John's uh, answer to that. Protocols are in guardrails to, to make sure that we're doing that. But as we look at these 
uh, program eliminations, the, the freezing of the four to five jobs that I've mentioned, the reduction in budget uh, from the 10 to 20 percent, the regional ske scheduling, it, it's still not enough fr from where our deficits are going to be. And so we're going to be uh, mindful of that with our employees, but it is something that we are looking and participating in. Everyone in our athletic department is going to feel today, and I've indicated that to them on multiple uh, Zoom calls or telephone calls. Um, we are all affected by this, uh, this decision, and they're not any different. I want to give also, uh, before we uh, move on here to a couple of other things, and uh, coming up in a few minutes, we'll be joined uh, by Brett McMurphy from Stadium uh, to talk about the uh, national reaction to this and how much more of this we're going to see in college athletics. Uh, but uh, the Pat Dye uh, story, Ben gave that in his update. Uh, apparently, uh, as that story has sort of fleshed out, uh, because of some kidney issues, Coach Dye was already in the hospital when he contracted uh, COVID-19, uh, according to a report from CBS Sports. So it's not necessarily COVID that landed him in the hospital, but uh, it is something that he uh, acquired because of compromised health, uh, an issue with his kidneys. Uh, again, you know, one of those situations where um, you hear sort of the gloom and doom of the COVID-19 early in, in the morning hours, and then uh, when you get the uh, – the kind of real story we learned he was already uh, there because of another uh, situation health-wise, and this certainly uh, creates even more challenges from a health perspective uh, for Coach Dice. So we wish him the very, very best. Uh, let's uh, hear from um, uh, Danny White, and, and this will be something we could also maybe take up in our conversation with Brett McMurphy. He, of course, is the uh, Director of Athletics at Central Florida. And uh, he was on my friend Scott Inez's show. Scotty has uh, been on our program uh, here. He talked about essentially uh, assuming college football games without fans in the stands. And we know, you know, you talk about, we're talking about deficits and budgets and financial issues today. Uh, you want to exacerbate financial issues, play a college football season in Greenville without any anybody in the stands uh, because of just the lack of success right now and the, and the sluggish nature in, in ticket sales the last few years uh, that's in part put us into this situation and where we find ourselves today with cutting these sports um, I'm very very uh, you know I, I talked to a lot of people today and, and I think you know somewhere like Iowa, Alabama, Ohio State, even though they're saying they're going to have fans, UNC, they could get through a season. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. But because of those TV deals, they can survive a season if they had to play games without fans or part of the season without fans in the stands. I, I, that, that is a non-starter here in Greenville. Uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, surprisingly, it was interesting to hear Danny White's thoughts on that. Uh, this is from ESPN Orlando. I think a big part of what makes college football special is the pageantry of 
uh, everything that happens on campus on game day, you know, even the things that happen four or five hours before the game, the tailgating and uh, all the traditions that we do. Uh, so I'd, I'd hate to see us play games without those things happening. And so hopefully we're in a position come end of August, early September, where it's safe to do that. Obviously, we're going to have to change some of what we do and make sure that it's it's a clean and safe environment. Uh, but if it's not, I, I, I'd hope that we, we look to postpone it before we look to play games without fans. Mm. Um, from, a, from a mission standpoint, it's why we built an on-campus stadium. The student experience, certainly the experience for our student-athletes to play in front of all those fans, there's a lot of things that make it special. But financially, our, our reality is that's about a $30 million problem for us if we play uh, football games and realize our TV revenue, but for us, the, the, the huge chunk is is the game day revenue. All right, so that is uh, Danny White, the uh, UCF uh, athletic director, and because of a lot of people kind of hopping on the bandwagon uh, there with their success in recent times, uh, that has become a bigger part of their model. It's still a big part of uh, college football's model. I mean, it's a big part of, of NC State and UNC's model. I don't want to say that things are going to be really easy for them, but they're in a, a position to weather the storm a little more easily uh, should there be a football season without fans in the stands for college. And uh, let's let's hope that's not the case. Uh, let's uh, grab a break. When we come back, uh, we'll have Brett McMurphy on a comment from uh, John Gilbert regarding where we're going uh, in college athletics. What does this mean? Uh, all of that as we return on 94.3 The Game. And gentlemen, we're doing it for the ground for the gram. Like our brand new 94.3 The Game Instagram page for photos from our shows, all the events we cover, pirate game days, and all the hashtags, pics, and videos from around the pirate nation. That's 94.3 The Game in our brand new page now on Instagram. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. Uh, welcome back. Stadium's Brett McMurphy is uh, on the line with us uh, here as we welcome him in on uh, a day where uh, ECU has joined a list of other universities across the uh, nation that have eliminated uh, the Olympic or non-revenue sports. Uh, Brett, thanks for uh, being on with us uh, here. Hope all is well in your world down in Florida. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Uh, Brett, we got a cut here. We aired some of the... Uh, portions of the press conference that uh, the director of athletics, John Gilbert, had earlier today. Uh, so uh, if, if forgive the length here. We'll try to get to the meat and potatoes of it. Uh, but uh, basically, he was asked kind of about the state of, of college athletics going forward. I want to hear a portion of that and then uh, kind of get your reaction to what he has to say. Well, I, I think we, reco- we recover one day at a time. And what I mean by that is it's important that we get student athletes back on this campus this summer to start working out. It's important that we uh, get our student population. Uh, we're going to provide a, a safe environment here. We're going to uh, you know, go through all the protocols to make sure that we're doing whatever the proper procedures are. We need students back on this campus. I believe that will happen this fall. Uh, we need football to play in the fall. Uh, we need to get back to normal as quickly as possible. And I would say that for 
uh, Greenville, Eastern North Carolina, this community and this institution, we all need to happen uh, as quickly as possible. So, I mean, how much of a return to normal can we expect here in Greenville, but also just anywhere else in the country? For the upcoming academic year, I, I don't think there will be normal. Um, you know, normal means, you know, you guys having your stadium at near full capacity. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, said, you know, he's hopeful they can get 20,000, maybe 50,000 if the social distancing guidelines are relaxed a little bit. So he's, he, at best, he's hoping for a half full stadium. Um, so certainly all of the budgets, everything that's that's been kind of put together by all these universities was based on meeting a certain number as far as uh, ticket revenue and all those things that play into that. There's Look, there's not, you know, there's not a CFO on the face of the earth that when planning out their 10-year budget said, you know what, we need to squirrel away 40 million, 50 million, mm-hmm. 80 million, whatever mm-hmm. the number is, because we're not going to have a football season that year. I mean, everyone experiences 10% drops in revenue and donations and tickets or whatever that that people plan for. They don't plan for a 50% or more cut. And that's why I think you're seeing, you know, East Carolina, the latest, a lot of these smaller conferences uh, cutting, cutting Olympic sports. You've seen power five schools, um, you know, they're not. Uh, they're not going to avoid this. They just maybe it may not hit them as hard, but you're seeing a lot of those schools take um, pay cuts. Um, Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, 20% pay cut. Tim Lester, Western Michigan, 25% pay cut. Those are some significant numbers. And I think, you know, this is what everyone will call the new normal. And I just, I just worry and wonder what it's going to look like when we get out on the other side of this after this year. And again, keep in mind all of these cuts. And I think East Carolina was, is the seventh FBS school Mm -hmm. to cut some Olympic sports. Mm -hmm. This, this has nothing to do with football guys. This is just what has happened up to this point. And also combined with no NCAA basketball revenue. Um, Now, some of it may be projecting out, Hey, look, we're not going to hit our football numbers. So we need to, you know, why wait till the inevitable if it's going to be inevitable, why wait and go ahead and do it now? But, um, you know, I think if, if we don't have a complete season, if we don't have 12 games, if we don't have full stadiums, which I'm 99% sure we won't, um, you know, how many more cuts are we going to see across the country? I, I think it, we're going to get to the point, unfortunately, where you won't be able to rattle them off the top of your head because there's going to be so many. Right. Uh, Brett, Brett McMurphy, Stadium College uh, football uh uh, reporter with us uh, here and uh, covers uh, the sport uh, as well as anybody uh, ever, really. And uh, Brett has been kind enough to give us a few minutes uh, here uh, this afternoon. This is by far of the seven you mentioned, and of course, uh, conference uh, brethren for the Pirates. Cincinnati uh, was one of the first to to cut with men's soccer, but this is the the largest amount of teams of any of the seven uh, FBS members who've cut so uh, cut sports so far. When you hear that, and then you know the ECU football fortunes have been a little uh, down here in recent times. But by and large, when you hear ECU football nationally, uh, there seems to be a, a thought process that with Mike Houston here, it's a program that is on the rise and and could have success again. What do you think when you know other places in the country that are maybe uh, even if they're in the P five, maybe on the bottom end of that uh, P five as far as budget and and strains on their budgets right now, when they hear 
that kind of bloodletting, what was the national reaction that maybe you've gathered today or, or observed today? Well, yeah, I mean, no, no, absolutely, absolutely nobody wants this and nobody's saying, you know, is taking this lightly. And again, you know, I've, I've talked to over a hundred athletic directors in the past, um, you know, couple of months during all this and done a number of stories. And this is, you know, everything that they told me about cutting sports is simply a last resort. Now, you know, I know that you, people want to take the other side of it. And I, somebody tweeted something earlier, you know, well, you know, East Carolina, it's men's or women, forgive me. I don't, I don't know, but one of the swimming programs had won X number of conference titles. Right. And the football yeah. program was four and eight and the football coach makes 1.4, 1.2 million, whatever. Okay. You know what? If there wasn't that football program, they never would have even been able to compete in swimming because that sport wouldn't have existed. So, I mean, we need to keep that part of it. Um, I mean, that's the reality of it. You know, if without football, all of these other sports wouldn't exist. It's that simple. There's no if, and, or buts. They would not exist. So now you're seeing this revenue cut in football. And so some of these other sports that, you know what, 20, 30, 40 years ago, they were club sports. Yeah. And then because of Title IX, they became NCAA sports. Uh, I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's it's a last resort. And, yeah, I know it's, well, why don't you cut, you know, three football coaches? Or why don't you, you know, you're, if you're cutting the the – the golden goose, then there's not going to be anything left over. So obviously there's going to be cuts all over. You've seen the mid American make cuts to their conference um, overall in a number of different sports. I think you'll see some other, other conferences do that. Yeah, A-10 did Uh, that as well. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Not having football teams stay in hotels the night before games. I mean, yeah, that's probably a luxury that they didn't need. And is that going to impact the quality of of a football program? No. So everyone's going to look at, kind of how they can tighten their belts a little bit. But yes, yeah, certainly, you know, I, I know for a fact that, that all of these schools and programs and certainly these athletic directors are not taking this lightly that they have to eliminate these programs. I'm just, you know, I just, you know, every time I get an email, I'm like, Oh my God, I hope it's not another, yeah, another uh, well, notification of know, another sport. As cut. I said here, and there's been some, I mean, you know, I think sometimes certain members of uh, a media contingent, um, have a little bit of uh, fun and you know speculating what sports may be cut. The, the thing that makes me uneasy about that, and Brett, you've been at it a long time, and we both have been on the end of uh, that pink slip. Uh, you know that. I mean, you're talking about people's lives here. You know, with these coaches and the assistant coaches, in a lot of cases, don't make a lot of money. I mean, this this is this is serious stuff, and uh, I, I just, you know. It, 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 it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a bad deal for, for those folks. And it's a bad deal for the kids too, who have, you know, worked at this sport their whole life for a chance to, you know, maybe play collegiately. And, um, it, it's, it's a tough deal. How, how far does this go up, Brett? Do you think, I mean, um, is, is, is will a P five cut sports or is there a little too much, I don't want to say pride there. Is there, is, is, are the considerations a little different because of the money that those leagues bring in with television revenue? No, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, the biggest difference is, I mean, you know, look, the, all the power five league schools make an average of, you know, I think the lowest one is 30 million maybe per school. 
Um, so certainly, obviously, they spend a lot more. So it kind of, you know, it it kind of balances out. But you've got the Power Five schools making thirty to fifty million dollars per school per year in media rights, and you've got the, you know, you've you've got the the Group Five, the American and other leagues making probably the Americans probably the high water mark about. Yeah. It's four million, a, maybe, it's, and it's jumping up to about seven or eight this year with the new TV yeah, okay, deal Okay, but next it's, year. that's it's still, great, but yeah. it's still compared to the Power Five. It's it's there's no comparison. So um, you also add in the additional money that those power leagues get from the college football playoff and y- yada 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 and all that. So I know from talking to Power Five ads that they said it would absolutely the last thing that they would do would be cut sports. They will do other multitude of other different mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. but they've obviously got more margin for error if you will or they've got other areas that they can cut and make make reductions where the smaller schools are necessarily you know not something that we haven't even talked about is forget about you know no fans in the stands if the students don't come back at these schools then your student fee numbers drop. Mm-hmm. If you're doing online club, if you're doing a hybrid model, which it will be the the popular thing, some some on campus, some online. I know there's already a big push for people that saying we shouldn't pay full tuition if we're not doing all classes in person. So how does that impact a number of universities? That will impact the smaller schools a lot more because they derive a lot of their their revenue that way. But um, you know, again, it, you know, it's sad. It's unfortunate. I, I hate that this happens, um, but it's just the reality of, of college athletics. And I, you know, I know, you know, I mentioned earlier about people are, are belly aching about, well, East Carolina football did this and their coach makes this. Well, Nick Saban makes, I don't know, 7 million, 8 million, whatever the number is. Yeah. And you know what? He's underpaid. And why would I say that? Because the amount of value and revenue that he's brought to that university is triple that, but he gets paid seven million. So everyone wants to say, "Oh my God, look, they're paying coaches seven million dollars." Yeah, they are. And you know what? He brought twenty-five million dollars into that university in new students, in advertising, and et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, that works at a different level in the smaller schools. Um, but again, as you know, presidents like to say, athletics is the front door to the university Well, college football is absolutely front and center. And that's why it's imperative that they try to do whatever they can to, to keep this going. So they can make money to, to keep all these other sports afloat. This is, uh, what does this do to the conversation of athletes should be compensated? Because uh, I mean, even at the P five level, I think this is changed that, that, that if anybody was even considering that, that might change their perspective on it greatly. You know, it has, but the the funny thing is, uh, in a weird way, is that the name, image, and likeness thing has ha- happened and is going to happen. It was almost, it's, <laughs> in a weird way, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card for these universities. Mm-hmm. Because now you're no longer hearing the drumbeat that, oh, these student-athletes should be paid. You should be paying them. Now it's like, okay, you can go earn money through your uh, car salesman or signing autographs or your Instagram influencer or whatever. And other people are going to pay these student athletes and the universities don't have to. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, cer- certainly if, you know, believe me, I've reported on a lot of these, there's literally, you know, probably six dozen different scenarios on what could happen this, this fall. And one of them was 
playing football if the general student body couldn't return and only the student athletes could return. And the commissioners, conference commissioners, literally changed their tune on that in a matter of matter of days. And so, yeah, would that be a bad look if only the student athletes were brought back and, and the general student body yeah. wasn't brought back? Yeah. Yes, it would be a bad look. And you'd hear a lot of those arguments you just brought up. But I can guarantee you if the two alternatives are no football or football with student athletes only on campus, the only question would be what time is kickoff. Yeah. Brett McMurphy with us. There's a million th- other things I can ask you and, and, and we can talk about here. Uh, we'll leave you on this here. It was uh, announced today uh, by NC State. I believe UNC also, but NC State, uh, that they were going to move their semester up to the 10th, skip any off weeks for fall break, finish up by Thanksgiving. This seems to be a little bit of an end around of what you and I were just talking about. Instead of starting a semester with student athletes being the only ones on campus, uh, you will virtually end a semester and then have a, an undetermined amount of downtime. Not only uh, at, at NC State or wherever adopts this, but also uh, Notre Dame mentioned it earlier in the week. That's the the model they were going to go with. Uh, it, again, is that maybe a way to uh, a little sleight of hand to to get those athletes and uh, keep them on campus, even if the general student pop is not on campus? Um, yes and no. I we're not going to move. You know, I don't think you're going to see the college football season moved up. Mm-hmm. I think it stays where it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that these universities want to start school earlier because they can get students on campus. That's more means more money for them. Um, and then simply that they don't want students going home Thanksgiving break and coming back. Gotcha. And then, yeah. you know, then you have to monitor who's got the disease and all that. Now, the, the thing that I don't know is, you know, there's a number of games that are played after Thanksgiving break, Re- obviously regular season finales, conference championships going to December um, you know, what will be the viewpoint on that? Um, will, will the student athletes be allowed to go home? Will they be required to stay, stay on campus? Um, again, those are a number of things that get brought up and you're, you're right. You asked me a great question and I answer it. And then I have 20 more questions for myself. Yeah. So just imagine what these guys and gals are going through trying to figure all this out. But, um, it does appear that there is, there is more optimism building yeah. that we will have a season as long as the health and safety of the student athletes can be guaranteed, guaranteed and will not be compromised. And I know we kind of glossed over that. You don't have a seven hour show, but that's really going to be the most difficult challenge and hurdle is figuring all that out and making sure all the conferences are on the same page with all the different guidelines and protocols. And I think that's really where, what will determine when we get started, that along with the government and health officials from the different states giving their okay on it. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, again, we could just spring off of that statement right there, and, and there's a million places we could go. Uh, Brett, we'll let you go. Thank you for your time, as always. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, thank you. All right, there he goes. Brett McMurphy with Stadium, uh, the very best. Uh, we'll uh, come back and wrap things up after this PJ show. We just need to have, like... Seven-hour deal with Brett McMurphy. I'm all for it. He's that good. Ain't he the stadium guy, I think is what you said. Ain't he the stadium sports guy? Ain't he? Uh, Great job today by uh, Ben Byram. A lot of information to cut up. Great job, Ben. Uh, Thanks to uh, Brett McMurphy for taking a few minutes with us. Uh, We have kind of a lot of feelers out for tomorrow. Uh, So we'll see. 
how that uh, plays out. But uh, the story is uh, still kind of rolling on. Uh, have a great evening, folks. Be safe. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you tomorrow when we wrap things up for the week.